Well, good morning. So good to see you here. Thank you so very much for being here. Here live in person in Plymouth, and I'm, I'm just not used to it. I'm so glad that you're here and live in person in Grosseal and Brighton. Thank you so much for being on our campuses with Ridge Kids going forward, but also we're live online right now with all of you who are gathered together with us. So thank you so much for being a part of Northridge Church, however you experience it. But but we are on the grow and God is making an impact and we're thrilled that you are a part of it and welcome to those of you who are guests. We're in a series right now called On God. And it's a series, just like it says, On God because it's so easy to start getting the wrong picture of him. It's so easy to start getting the wrong view. It's so easy to start looking through the wrong lens and when we look at God through the wrong lens, we aren't experiencing the one true God. We, we miss all that he has for us, and then we start thinking he's not real, and we start pulling away, and it's not that he's not real, it's that we're not seeing him correctly, we're not putting our trust in him. And it's easy to get there because, let's be honest, there is so much gone wrong in our world. I mean, so much. And sadly, in a world where so much has gone wrong, it's easy to lose sight of what's right. And so the goal this weekend in our conversation about God is to remind you and to encourage you with the truth that no matter how filled with wrong the world is, God is there and he's right. In fact, this is the truth we want to look at this weekend. God is righteous. He's righteous. And that simply means that God always does what's right. God always does everything right. And I mean, the scriptures are filled with this reality. God didn't want us to miss it because he knew we would always be living in, born into and experiencing a world gone wrong. Look at Psalm 145, verse 17. The Lord is righteous, not in some of his ways, in all of his ways. He always does everything right. Psalm 111, verse 3. His righteousness endures forever. So there he is. That's the truth. But it's so easy for us to get lost in it, to start seeing it improperly, because we have this problem. And the problem is that we as human beings, by nature, look at that which we relate to, and we measure God because we don't relate to him. We don't understand him. We don't see him with our physical eyes and experiencing him in our physical senses. We measure God by other people and our experiences. That's what we have a grasp on. That's what we know. And so we have a hard time experiencing the righteousness of God in a world gone so wrong because we relate to the world gone wrong more than him and then we start measuring him by that standard and it messes up everything. And I just want you to get a grasp on this. We've experienced people breaking promises. We've experienced people disappointing us, hurting us, rejecting us, using us, ignoring us, 
belittling us, abusing us, forgetting about us, and betraying us. We've experienced this from people. And here's the problem, and it's, it's natural. It's, it's almost hard to avoid. We tend to overlay the faces of those people on God himself. When they're hurting us, we start seeing him hurting us. When they're breaking their promises, we start seeing him breaking his promises. It just feels like it's him. And so we end up blaming and accusing him of doing all those things to us. And it messes up our whole view of him. In fact, here's what happens. It causes us to get angry at and start rejecting the only one who's not adding wrong to the world. And so instead of finding what's right, instead of experiencing what's right, even in the darkness of all that's going wrong, we just get lost in the tsunami of the darkness and the despair because we see God as one and the same thing with it. It destroys us. It's wrong. And so I want you to see this reality this weekend. God cannot be compared to anything we know or anything we've experienced. He can't be. It's natural. We do it by nature. It comes easily. It just doesn't work because he's not comparable to anything we know. He's not comparable to anything we've experienced from one another in this world and this culture. I love how Romans chapter 11, verse 33 and 34 says it. Oh, the depth of the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How un Searchable are his judgments and his paths beyond tracing out. Who has known the mind of the Lord? The answer is obvious. No one. No one can compare. No one can relate. No one can think like him. He's righteous. We're not. And then it says, or who has been his counselor? No one. So why do we keep turning to the counsel of those who are so often wrong instead of turning to the one who is never wrong? Why do we compare him to that which is such a mess instead of going to him to help us to get out of the mess? I just want to parse out what it means that he's righteous because I think when we hear that word, it sounds so religious, it sounds so traditional and archaic, we miss it. But you need to know, in his righteousness is everything we long for and need in this world. I mean, what's it mean he's righteous? It means that he always tells the truth. Always. And no wonder we can't compare him to other people and to our own experiences, because we don't. I mean, look at how the Bible says it in 1 Samuel chapter 15, verse 29. He who is the glory of Israel does not lie or change his mind, for he is not a human being. You can't measure him by that standard. You can't compare him. He's not a human being that he should change his mind. Hebrews 6.18, it's impossible for God to do what is almost ordinary for us to do. It's impossible for God to lie. And this is hard for us to comprehend, really difficult. It's hard for us to believe because everyone we've ever met has lied. No one fits this standard, and even worse, it's really hard to believe this about God because we know the reality about ourselves. We don't always tell the truth. Even the best of us don't. 
What else does it mean that he's righteous? It means that he always makes the right decisions. My wife, Roxanne, would love it if I just hit 10%. And you laugh, but I can admit it without feeling bad in front of you because I know many of you, and you're way worse than I am. I mean, we're all messed up. We all make bad decisions better than we make right decisions. It's crazy. There's a saying, you know, even a blind squirrel finds a nut once in a while. Yeah, sometimes we're right, but mostly we're not. And that's why there's so much wrong in the world. We, we need to understand this. Look at John 8, 16. Jesus was talking and he says, but if I do judge, just know this, my decisions are right. Because I'm not alone. I stand with the Father who sent me, who always makes the right decisions. What else does it mean? He's righteous. It means he always does and this is amazing if you put all three of these things together. The probabilities are hard. He always does the right thing in the right way at the right time. Now, I'm going to tell you, every once in a while, I get one of these right, but not all of them. I mean, there are times that I do the right thing. I just don't do it in the right way. Have you ever met that kind of person? You know, the times I do the right thing, but I don't... I don't do it at the right time. You know, like Roxanne will say that to me all the time. It would have been great if you had done this last month, you know? And then there are times that I do the wrong thing, but, and I'm really pretty good at this, in the right way. I mean, I can do the wrong thing better than most of you have ever thought about doing it. And I can usually do it at the right time. And then there are times I do the wrong thing in the wrong way, but my timing's impeccable. Can I just ask, online you can comment, at the other regionals you can do it, but can any of you relate to this as a human being? Can any of you relate to it? Sure. You want to know why we need God in this world where he's been rejected by the vast majority? It's because he's the only one that's righteous. He always does the right thing in the right way in the right time. A lot of places in the Bible it says it. I thought I'd turn to a real simple one. Look at Deuteronomy 32, verse 4. He is the rock. His works are perfect. When Roxanne and I were dating as a young couple, I mean, we had just started dating maybe a month. I'll never forget it. We were walking on college campus where we met, and my beautiful then-girlfriend looked up at me, and she said, you're perfect. And I, you, have to, you have to know something. I really do love myself a lot. But even I knew that could get me in trouble one day. I said, I'm not perfect. Almost. It's as close as you're ever going to come, Roxanne. That's, you know, but, but you just need to know I'm not perfect. Come on, that's laughable. But he is. And isn't it sad that we measure him by imperfection and that's why we don't look to him? Isn't it? A shame that in a world gone wrong, we don't turn to the only one who's right. We actually turn away from him. It's sad. The fact that God is righteous means he never compromises what is right. He never compromises what is right. Second Chronicles 19.7, now let the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord is where you see him with so much clarity that you can't help but reverence him, be in awe of him. 
sense your full need of him. Now let the fear of the Lord be upon you. Judge carefully. For with the Lord our God there is no injustice, none. No partiality, none. No bribery. You see, God, because he's righteous, doesn't do what human beings do. And it's sad that we measure him by the human standard and we compare him to human beings because that means we miss the beautiful, uncompromising nature of this God who's always right. He doesn't compromise his character or his values to get elected. He doesn't compromise his values or his character to get a job, to win a friend, to keep a friend, to save his own life. That's what we do. It's not what he does. The fact that God is righteous means that he never treats anyone unjustly or inequitably. That's what we do. And we're in a world gone mad over this issue. And it's really interesting. I see it on social media. I see it in the media. I see it in all kinds of places today on all sides where there are people who are willing to cancel and destroy people whom they claim are inequitable and unjust. And quite frankly, their claim is right. Those people are inequitable and unjust. The only problem is the ones canceling, the ones judging, the ones destroying those other people are also unjust and inequitable. And it's a crazy thing that's going on. We imperfect people are destroying other people for their imperfection, which means it's ultimately going to destroy all of us and the world has gone so wrong, but there is a place we can go where it's right, where there is one who treats all of us who are unjust with justice. He's never unjust, never inequitable. Look at how he says it really, really clearly in Psalm 99.4, the king is mighty. He loves justice. That's what he loves. And in a prayer to God, he says, you have established equity, God. Romans 2.11, for God does not show favoritism, and yet many people are turning away from God and being swept in the tsunami of despair and darkness because of the unjustness and inequity in our world. But that's what we're always going to get with human beings doesn't mean we settle. It doesn't mean we don't work for change. It just means, come on, that's what we are. And better be careful about holding yourself up as the standard because have you noticed how they'll eat their own? One day they're with you and the next day you're done. But God is always just and always equitable. What's it mean that he's righteous? He always fulfills his promises always, and this is really important because we're living in a world where there are so many broken promises, we begin to expect it, and we've started measuring God by that standard and judging God by that standard. And I've heard people all through this past year as just one example saying he hasn't fulfilled his promises, he hasn't fulfilled his promises, he's breaking his promises, he must not even exist. But what you're doing is you're putting the feelings you've experienced with other people in this world on him, which means you have no place to turn to find what's right. I love how Joshua said in chapter 23, verse 14, in the book of his name, now I am about to go the way of all the earth, I'm going to die. 
And you know, with all your heart and soul, he was talking to a people who had just broken so many promises to God. And he says, you know, with all your heart and soul, that not one of all the good promises of the Lord your God has failed. Every promise that he gave has been fulfilled. Not one has failed. You know what God can do? You know what we can do with God that we can't do with each other? We can always count on him. Always. But because we've learned so much that we can't count on anyone in this world or anything in this world, we've pulled God down into that picture. And we don't even have him to count on anymore. It's sad. What's it mean that God's righteous? It means that he never makes mistakes. Wow. Deuteronomy 32.4, he is a faithful God who does no wrong. These realities about God are hard for us to believe because we overlay our own weaknesses and failings on him. We overlay our experiences with other people on, on him. And so I think we just have to acknowledge some things right up front in a setting like this. It's true that we can't always trust people. That's true. It's true we can't always trust even the best of people. Let's face it. We can't and shouldn't follow any human being blindly. Period. No one. With people, we need discernment. With people, we need to be cautious. With people, we need to be careful. And we need to look for probabilities with people, which is probably why it's better to date longer than two or three days before you get married. Why don't we check out the probabilities? But just know, even if the probabilities are there that we can trust them, it doesn't mean we can because they're human beings. I've been here 30 years, 30 years under the... the Watchful eye and accountability of people who watch me live up close, and, and I'm still here. But in one day, I could throw it all down the toilet, and I could blow it because I'm a flawed and I'm a broken person. And so many of us, we chuck God to the corner when someone we trust fails us. But you can't do that. People will fail you. But God never will. But we lose the unbelievable touch and presence of the righteous God in our lives when we throw him out for what other people do to us. He's the only one that can bring right to the wrong. And yet I've watched thousands and tens of thousands walk away from God in the church because they've seen trust broken. Well, all you have to do is read the Bible and he says, people will break your trust. People will break your heart, but I, the Lord, am righteous. He's the one we need to turn to. So what's the application? Well, the application's really important to us. We can and we should always trust God. But see, because we're so affected by the, the wrongs that we experience from other people and by our own messed up lives that when we measure him by our standard and we compare him to our standard, we get to the place where we just can't trust him. But it's because we've got the wrong view of him. Because God is righteous, no matter how you feel, no matter what you've experienced, you can and should 
always trust him. Look at Psalm 146, verses 3 and 5. Do, do not put your trust in princes, in human beings who cannot save, but blessed, content, satisfied, fulfilled are those whose help is the God of Jacob, whose hope is in the Lord their God. You see, in this world, it only makes sense to be careful about trusting people. But it only makes sense to always trust him because he's righteous. But I thought we should lay it out a little bit more clearly for us. What does it look like if I'm trusting him? What does it involve? Well, you see, we can and should trust God's word. Think about this, would you? If God is righteous and he always does the right thing in the right way at the right time, what he says is always, I'm going to give you one guess, what he says is always yes. But that's not what we're hearing today. We're hearing what God says is wrong. It doesn't work in our world. It doesn't fit what we've learned. It doesn't fit the progress that we've made. It, it'll hurt culture. It'll destroy people. It's not an expression of love. What, what he says is wrong. But the people saying that what God the righteous one says is wrong are people who are often, I'll give you one guess, often wrong. So why do we put our trust in them? Why do we sacrifice everything to please them, to follow them, to work with them, instead of pulling away from those who have made this world so wrong and put our trust back in the one who makes the world right? That's what we need to do. He's the righteous God. And I'll just show you. He, he says it, Psalm 119, 137 and 138. Righteous are you, O Lord. And because you're righteous, your laws are always right. It's not what we're hearing in our culture. We're hearing his laws are wrong. But who are you hearing it from? People who are wrong. But they're really smart. Uh, really smart people aren't wrong? Yeah, they are. Ask their spouses. Ask their kids. The statutes you have laid down are righteous because you're righteous. They're fully trustworthy because you're righteous. Psalm 19:7. the law of the Lord is perfect. His truth revives the soul. Do you know why there's such despair in the soul of humanity today? Because there's only one thing that can revive the soul, and that's the God who's righteous but we're not trusting him. We're declaring ourselves as smarter than him and our words as more valuable than his. The statutes of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. We can't go wrong by trusting and following God's word. We can't go right by rejecting and disobeying God's word. So we should never follow our feelings because think about this. Our feelings consistently change. Uh, just a question. Have your feelings ever been wrong? Mine are wrong all the time. And it's true that, that what God says will often go 
very much against our feelings and very much against every natural thought we have. It's true that quite often we don't like what God says. It doesn't feel good at all. And that makes sense because we're flawed. We're often wrong. Our feelings are often out of whack. And God's not wrong. He's righteous. No wonder it doesn't always feel good. So we have to feel it or not, follow him. We have to, no matter what, follow him and not our messed up world and what it's telling us. This is the promise in a world gone wrong. If all you do is follow the world, you will never experience the right that you're longing for. Never. We have to turn to him. We can and should trust God's word. Where else does it take us? Well, we can and should trust him with our circumstances and the consequences of them. And be honest, we don't. We trust him no problem at all when our circumstances are great. But turn it upside down and experience the worst of the worst circumstances. And all of a sudden, we don't trust him. Why? Because the consequences of the wrong circumstances don't feel good. They seem to be against everything we want in life. And so we hold him accountable and we dismiss him. But he's still righteous. Joseph was a guy who experienced the worst of circumstances in life and their consequences in fullness. His own brothers, no kidding, because he was the favorite kid of his dad. Be careful of having, don't be careful of having favorite kids. Be careful of admitting favorite kids. Joseph's brothers decided they wanted to kill him. And then they got a pang of conscience, and so they decided not to kill him. They'd just sell him into slavery. Aren't you glad for conscience? You know, the human conscience is so terrific. And sold him into slavery, and the consequences of his circumstances were crazy. He became a slave in a foreign country and wrongly accused in that slave owner's household and thrown in prison. And the antiquities of a prison were not like American civil rights prison, you know? I mean, it was like unbelievably horrific. But he never, ever gave up on God because he never measured God by man's standard. God wasn't his brothers. God was righteous. God wasn't Egypt. God was righteous. And he stayed faithful. Sadly, many of us give up on God because we don't like the circumstances we're in. We give up on God because we don't like the consequences and we're the only one who can help us to experience right is God. That's why we never do. So what did Joseph do? I mean, when Joseph's brothers showed up and he had the power of Egypt, he became the second to Pharaoh only in Egypt. When his brothers showed up for food, and I need to give you this as an aside, if I was in Joseph's circumstances and the ones that hurt me the most came up and I now had power of life and death over them, I just, I just need to say it right out loud. They're dead. But he gave them food and love and a place to live. And look at why Genesis 50, 19 and 20, Joseph said to them, don't be afraid. Am I in the place of God? He's righteous. I'm not just like you're not. I'm no better than you. I'm just as messed up as you. Am I in the place of God? You intended to harm me just like I would love to harm you, he's saying. 
all you who cancel everybody for being exactly what you are, imperfect, messed up, unjust. You intended to harm me, but God intended all this junk for good, and I could know it before I experienced it because God is righteous. And he did it so that I could accomplish what's now being done, saving your lives. Whose lives are we going to save if we're just like them? What's it mean to trust him? It means we should not allow the injustices of this world to ruin us. And that's what we're doing. We've been treated so unjustly, we are going to dismiss everyone else with the same kind of injustice. And all it's doing is making the world go more and more mad. Many of you who have access to God who is righteous are dismissing him so that you can be unrighteous in return to all you've experienced. It's not going to fix your world. What's going on in this world right now is not going to fix the world. It's only going to increase its brokenness, its division, its conflict, its darkness, and its despair. But there's a place we can turn, and it's the righteous God. I love how the psalmist said it in Psalm 73, starting with verse 2. But as for me, he was just being honest, just like many of us have to be right now. But as for me, my feet had almost slipped. I was losing it. I had nearly lost my foothold. The idea of God doesn't seem reasonable. The idea of right doesn't seem reasonable. The idea of righteousness doesn't seem reasonable. I'm comparing it to the measure that I'm experiencing, and it just doesn't hold up. I'm about ready to give up on it. For I envied the arrogant when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. When I saw how those who live by injustice experience life, I wanted to become just like them. Doesn't this sound like the world we are? But then he says until I entered the sanctuary of God, and then I understood their final destiny. He remembered, oh yeah, God is righteous. Because God is righteous, we can know that in the end, justice is guaranteed. It's true that those who follow God will still experience all the injustices of this world, but it's also true that this world is temporary and Eternity is real, and it's also true that in the midst of a world of injustice, we still have a God of perfect righteousness, and that's who we need to turn to, or we'll just be lost in the darkness. How do we trust him in all circumstances? Well, we should measure ourselves against God and not people. And the problem with our world today is we're all measuring ourselves against other people. They've got it and we don't, and so we're going to take it from them so we can have it and they won't, and we're going to be as unjust as they were, but it's about time and we'll create balance and we'll do all, and oh my gosh! And it's because we're comparing ourselves to each other. I mean, it's a big argument. Who's been treated more unjustly? And everybody's looking for their opportunity to stake claim. But we need to measure ourselves against the only standard of righteousness, God, not people. Because here's the reality of people, Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. <laughs> Look at if, if I'm the standard, you could all say, for I have not sinned because I've risen way above the glory of bread. But that's not the standard. 
God's the standard and you don't measure up and neither do I. We've missed it. You know what our problem is? Our problem is that we measure ourselves by other people and their experiences. I haven't had that and I'm going to get it. I haven't had that and I deserve it. I haven't had that and I'm going to, you know, I have had that, I'm going to keep it. And all this, oh my gosh, this cancer of the soul of humanity. And it just drives us. But you need to know your goal is not to be better than other people or take their place. Your goal is to be like God. We're called to be like God, righteous. Not just more powerful in our injustice. Like God. He said it. Look at 1 Peter 1.16. For it's written, be holy, God says, because I am holy. Pretty impossible standard, right? Because we've already acknowledged that he's righteous and we're not. So what's the way we can do this? I know by raging on social media, by getting a different politician elected to president, by, you know devoting our lifeblood to politics or power or whatever. No, no, that's not how it happens. There's only one means. We can only achieve our goal by faith in Christ. And you say, why is that? Well, you see, because we've already blown it. We've already fallen short. We're already unrighteous and he's righteous. And how do you walk with a God when you're unrighteous and he's righteous? You don't. How do you be holy like he is holy? You can't. But then Jesus comes, and he lives the righteous life that all of us were called to live. No sin. And then he took our place in death. The wages of sin is death. He never sinned. We have. And then when he rose again, it was so that he could give us the one thing we need in lives gone wrong, in relationships gone wrong, in a world gone mad. Righteousness. Our souls are filled with wrongness, and He can fill them with rightness, but it's only He can do it. Look at Romans chapter 3, verses 20 to 22. Therefore, no one will be declared righteous in His sight by observing the law. You can't be good enough. Rather, through the law, the only thing we become conscious of is our sin, our falling short. And then in verse 22, this righteousness from God comes through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. We have to believe. We have to believe. Well, I have to get really religious, right? No, religious people can be just as dark and messed up as anyone else. We have to believe on Jesus Christ and let him change who we are. Have you done that? Just before I finish this conversation this weekend, and we end with worship, would you just bow with me in a word of prayer just for a moment, wherever you are? And as we bow, I just want to encourage you, if you don't know Jesus taking the darkness and unrighteousness within you out and putting his righteousness and goodness within you, pray with me now, would you? It's the goal of faith. Take my words in this prayer and make them yours. Just say, Jesus, I, I confess it. I'm a mess. My heart, my soul is filled with wrong. I've sinned. Darkness prevails. But I know that you died on that cross to save me and forgive me and rose again to give me new life. So right now, 
I'm asking you to forgive me and I'm trusting you to save me. In Jesus' name, amen. If you just prayed with me, would you let us know? It's really easy. You just text us at 313131, one word message, Northridge, the name of our church. We'll send you a New Testament Bible. We'll send you information about next steps you can take. We'll celebrate what God's doing in your life. But you know, there's one last thing. If, we can't, if we're going to always trust God and we experience Jesus taking the unrighteousness out and putting his righteousness within, if that really is happening in our lives, what should it look like? Well, you can then and should then seek to influence your world towards righteousness. We're trying to change the world by adding darkness to it. Trying to change the world by correcting the injustice with a different kind of injustice. It's destroying humanity. But if you know Christ, you don't try and correct unrighteousness with your own unrighteousness. You try and wake the world up to the only one who's righteous. Jesus said in Matthew 5.14, you're the light of the world. Who? The unrighteous ones that experience him making them righteous. And yet the church is filled with people who are raging their unrighteousness instead of lighting the world up with Jesus' righteousness. 1 Peter 2.12 says, Live such good lives among the pagans, those who don't know God, that though they accuse you of doing wrong, and get this, if you live for the righteous God and declare his righteous word, the world who dismisses God will rail against you. They'll accuse you of being wrong. They'll accuse you of being the problem. They'll accuse you of creating the darkness because you're filling the world with your hatred. That's what they'll accuse you of. But all the while, filled with their emptiness and despair and darkness and hatred, they'll be wanting what only you have in Jesus' name. And so he says, live such good lives of light in the darkness of a world without God that they may see your good deeds, your light, and in the end themselves glorify God on the day he comes. You want to change the world? There's only one way. Know Jesus' light. Live Jesus' light. No matter what darkness you're experiencing. And as followers of Jesus, we're supposed to be the ones who help to change what people see and experience in this world. As we follow Jesus, the, the way maker, the promise keeper, the, the light in darkness, the miracle worker, we should keep our promises rather than breaking them. We should love people instead of hating them. We should help people instead of hurting them. We should lift people up instead of pulling them down so we can get ahead. And when we do, will not only change our world, but will be then, finally, worshiping the only one who's right and righteous. And I think the best way to end this service is by committing to do it together right now.
Would you join us?